Welcome to the Yoga Is Now podcast, brought to you by Bigger Life Adventures. We are Zach and Carrie, a 30-something couple. On this podcast, we'll be exploring yoga philosophy and how to apply it to our modern lives. For us, this means that we are both in recovery from alcohol use. We try to always keep learning and having new experiences. We live an off-grid, more sustainable lifestyle and more. Follow along as we discuss what yoga is now means for all of us. Hello, Zach. Hello, Carrie. Welcome back to the Yoga Is Now podcast, everybody. Yay. It's June 18th, 2023. We seem to always record these things from the road while living van life. Why is that? Uh, Maybe because uh, it's the only time that we have enough time to do it or allocate time for it. That could be. Well, we're trying. We're setting the intention to be more committed now to monthly podcasts. Monthly doesn't sound too terrible. I think we were saying weekly before or something. Oh, yeah. Well, we tend to be overambitious. Very. Monthly, I think we can do. I would love to get back to doing the yamas and niyamas and just do one every month until we get those done. This one I do want to put out soon because June 18th is a big day for us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Do you want to start it off with just this recap of what the last year has been like for all the all the friends who probably know a little bit, but we've never really like talked about it on a recording before. Right. So um last June 18th, we uh I had an accident climbing out in uh, California and I shattered my ankle. Um after that, I had to have uh, what, three different times they tried to put it back together. And the third time worked. Um, and it took a long, uh, it was a long summer last summer trying to, uh, you know, for Carrie to keep our businesses going while. Um, well, I wasn't really capable of doing anything, being really laid up. Um, it was more than just summer, let me say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, summer, uh, like, I didn't start to get better until probably the new year when I started walking better, so it was a long recovery, and it took a uh, mental, uh, it took a toll on, uh, took a toll on us, I, we aged a lot this year, and... Yeah. Now we're uh, sitting here at the one-year point, um, doing the things that we love again and feeling grateful for that, but also kind of like looking back upon this last year and um, just thinking about where we've grown and where we need to grow more. Yeah, totally. So we thought we would just take this episode to sort of break it down a little bit more. Um, So trigger warning we are going to talk about the accident we are going to talk about mental health depression trauma medical trauma if any of those things are going to be too hard for you to listen to there's your your trigger warning but I will try not to like go into too many like gory details on anything but we will talk about it so yeah I guess let's just break it down from your side a little bit and then I'll talk about my side like what 
happened that day? What was your mindset? Why did you fall? Like, why did you break your ankle? <laughs> and what happened afterwards? Um, so, we, yeah, we were uh, in uh, Pine Creek Canyon up by Bishop uh, in the Eastern Sierras in California. And we were on this uh, slabby two-pitch climb, the first pitch of the climb. Um, I, I was just, it, it was, we, we're not, we don't have a lot of experience climbing in granite, so it, it's kind of hard for us. Uh, like, the first, it was the first climb, we picked an easy one, it was supposed to be easy, but it was like still pretty, um, pretty heady, because you're just kind of on this uh, big piece of rock, kind of just like walking up on your toes, like on like sandpaper grippy rock. And uh, not a lot of hands to hold on to, but um, for the style, it was supposedly pretty easy. I just wasn't really into it. But I kept going upwards. Um, after a certain point, the guidebook said, you know, the next bolt, the bolts were pretty far apart. Which was also a little bit scary. Because uh, a lot of times when you're climbing, you're clipped into the wall and it's, you know, every eight feet or so. So there's another bolt, but on this climb, they were probably more like 12 feet apart. The guidebook said that to go up to something like the fifth bolt and hang a left. And I, I was like, this must be the spot to hang a left. And then Carrie was like, I don't think that's the spot to hang a left. But I went the way I wanted to anyways. So that was, that was a mistake, number one. And that's kind of how these things go, is uh, it's a bunch of uh, little things that add up into a big thing. Um, they kind of compound on each other, small mistakes. So I, I, I got a little, I was off track. I couldn't find the next bolt because I turned too soon. And it was either, you know, I could uh, keep going, it was kind of harder moves, or I was I was like halfway up to the to the next bolt. I was like I can just fall off of here. Um, pretty easy fall. I was maybe like I don't remember how far above the bolt at this point. But it was a little to my right, and I was like I'll just I'll just fall and I'll just kind of like jump off a little bit so I don't cheese grater myself going down this like slope of rock. So it took me a minute to get build up the courage. Like I've fallen a lot climbing, and then like I was very secure, like to the wall. But um, I don't know. I just had a bad feeling, and I couldn't like make myself do it. It took like think two or three tries, and then eventually I popped off. I went off the wall just like a normal fall, and I felt like I don't know. I felt like I fell farther than I was expecting. And I hit the wall probably, it seemed like right before the rope went tight. So right before the rope caught me, I hit the wall. And I hit the wall on, with kind of my, the front of my foot, I believe, which just, um, it, yeah, so I, I just have an impact. I'm hanging there, lots of pain. I look down, my foot's pretty crooked. Um, you kind of, like, get through the first, like, 10 seconds of pain. It feels like eternity, but you're just, like, 
you know, like grunting, breathing, like primal pain. And then your the ankles swelled up so much and then it kind of like holds it in place so it's not moving around so much and then it's kind of just like feels like the 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 most intense pain passes and then so I had kind of was like had Carrie just lower me down luckily we were at the end of our we were at the a point on our rope where if I'd have gone up any farther, I wouldn't have been able to lower. I would have had to, like, rappel or something, which would have taken a long time. And it would have been really uh, not really a fun time to try to, like, set up a whole rappel with my ankle like that. Um, I'm sure I would have done it. But um, it was easier that we could just lower. So I lowered. She lowered me really slowly. I kind of just kept the foot from wobbling around. When I got to the bottom, I kind of just was like still taking really deep, hard breaths. Um, Carrie could tell something was wrong, and like she was like ultra focused. And um, at this point, she made sure I was okay. And then she took off for the car to get like more medical supplies because we we only had like band aids and things. We we needed some like more more bandage, more things to like make a splint and to get me out of there. Um, so she took off back to the car and like, I, at this point I, I started to feel not so terrible. Like the ankle looked really bad, like, um, purple, like 360 around. Um, and a lot of swelling, but I was like, it, the worst of the pain had passed and I just kind of sat there doing some breathing, um, just being, uh, you know, a little bit thankful that I well, didn't hit my head or something else, you know, and just waited for, uh, Carrie to get back. And at this point, um, some other guys showed up to go climbing and noticed me and like, they found out my ankle was messed up after a little bit of talking to them. So they, they, they volunteered to hang around and help me make sure I could get down this slope because it was kind of a, a steep, uh, walk up this hill to get here. So Carrie made it the like half mile to the car and back in like ten minutes flat. I think, I think she doesn't even remember running. It was just like a blur. It was so much. You adrenaline. want to pick up the story from here? Sure. Because at this point, I'm kind of out of it. Yeah, like, I can pop in, I guess. So like, funny. I had run a race the day before. I had run the Broken Arrow vertical kilometer up in Tahoe. And so we were just trying to have, like, an easy climbing day. Like, my legs were pretty tired from that. But, man, adrenaline is, like, such a powerful force. I just, like... And also, you know, like, probably poor choices as far as us being wilderness first responders to leave most of the first aid stuff in the car. We're just like, oh, it's so close. Like, we can see the van from where we're going to be climbing. It was, like, 0.3 miles, I think. Um, but then, you know, when you're in that situation, of course you wish you had it like right there with you. So anyway, I like did a quick assessment on you. Once I lowered you, made sure you weren't going into shock, made sure you were in the shade with water. Um, and I knew it was like a messed up ankle, but everything else seemed okay. No head injury, no spine injury. And so I took off to go get stuff and like my legs were so fast and so strong there you there was no way that you would 
there was no way I felt like I had run that race the day before. It was all just adrenaline. And it wasn't like a, a straightforward trail either, you know. It was like some scrambly, rock-hoppy stuff to get to the car and back. So in the car, I load up all the stuff, grab some trekking poles that you can use as crutches, and then run back up, partway up this crag. And by the time I got back, those guys were there. So yeah, I think you were like trying to play it cool, but it was pretty obvious that you were injured. <laughs> so I'm glad that they stuck around to help. I'm also glad I had my woofer training and you did too, um, because that was like part of what I used to like keep you grounded was to like ask you to help me make good decisions, you know, for yourself, for getting you out of there. So the big decision was to call search and rescue or to just try and get you out of there because we had no service. And I left it up to you. And like, how'd you make that decision? I mean, it just didn't seem that far. And I was like waiting here for search and rescue to come. Like, I might as well just hop down there. <laughs> yeah, but it was not an easy hop down. No, it was terrible. I... I, I tried to put weight on it at one point, and that didn't work. Yeah. So luckily, these two guys who, like, I I got one of their numbers and, like, definitely texted him a big thank you but never heard back. Um, hopefully they got our draws off the wall that we left on the wall for them as a thank you. These two guys helped us. This was the first time ever at a climbing area that I've seen they actually have like a metal, metal litter there on the wall that's just always there in case of accidents. So that was lucky and kind of like an ominous sign <laughs> at the, that we maybe should have paid attention we to. We noticed it on the way in. We were like, hey, there's a litter. Yeah, I know. And then so we knew exactly where it was on the way out. I think for the first bit of the climb, I think or the, I just kind of it was too steep. So I just kind of like slid on my butt like from rock to rock with like three uh, like a tripod. One, one foot, two legs, and then I put my other foot in the air. Yeah, we had, like, splinted it, given you Tylenol and ibuprofen. It's like, yeah, I just held it up in the air, huh? Yeah, and then eventually me and those two guys tried carrying Zach out in the litter, which was really hard and really sketchy because this was, like, such a narrow, bouldery trail. You learn how to carry people in those things with, like, ten people in class, and then just with three of us on this like super sketch trail. It's hard. We did our best. Mostly we could only carry it with like two of us because the trail was just too narrow for a third person to even do anything. Um, so we were trying not to get injured while getting him down. It took a long time. And you know, the whole time I think you were just like in denial, like, okay, maybe it's just a bad sprain. Like maybe it's not broken. <laughs> And I was just like, you said, like laser focused, just like adrenaline, like I wasn't having feelings other than just like the mission at hand, which was to get you out of That's there. It's probably necessary in that situation. Oh, yeah. It was super necessary. You gotta block it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you pay for it later. Yep. I did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I think... It took us about about an hour, at least, to go like point three miles yeah. to the van. 
Yeah, it took a long time. We, we, you know, eventually, once we got down to the flat part, we told the guys we got this, and like I kind of used the crutches plus leaning on Carrie's shoulder, and just hopped back to the car. It took forever, and every hop hurt so bad. Yeah, that was a bad idea. We should have just had them keep helping us. Yeah, I felt bad though because we already had like used them for like forty five minutes. And... It's part of the game. It's part of being a climber. I think mm -hmm. is helping out when you see something bad happen. We'll pay it back somebody someday. Yeah. But anyway, we finally get to the car and just start driving. I'm driving. Zach's like holding his ankle up in the front seat. I remember you were still just saying like maybe it's just sprained. Maybe it's just sprained. And I think this is when, like, on the drive, because driving is, like, a little bit less, like, stressful than carrying someone down a mountain. That's when I started to have the really, like, bad thoughts set in. Like, okay, it's June 18th. It's the beginning of our busy season. Like, this is bad. This is really, really bad. But trying not to show it, trying just to, like, stay positive, go to the emergency room. <laughs> we were just, like, thanking our lucky stars that we had insurance. Um, and we show up in the emergency room, and they got you in right away. And then, oh my gosh, when it rains, it pours, you know? I remember also, like, right when we were in the emergency room was when I started getting texts from <laughs> the person who was supposedly taking care of our our home base grand canyon eco retreat who was supposed to be out there cleaning for guests that day and just started getting these messages of like she didn't feel good so she wasn't going to make it to clean and like guests were showing up and i was like oh my gosh it was so much all at once just like trying to like your mom was out of town so i was like trying to call your dad and to explain to him that yes we're in the emergency room i also need you to go make beds and he didn't know where anything was and it was like such a mess Anyway, you can continue. <laughs> Not, uh, um, well, it was all way worse than we imagined in any form. Oh, we were like, okay, you know, broken bone. It's going to be a bad couple weeks. You know, then we can get back to work, whatever. Uh, they did the x-rays and they're like, well, it's broken. It's also dislocated. It's also in the ankle. It's like, they tell me, like, this is, uh, you know, one of the worst bones you can break. They called the uh, orthopedic uh, doctor in, and he was he was not in the emergency room, but he was coming. So they were like, when he gets here, you know, we're going to try to put your ankle back in the right place where it belongs. And then hopefully everything's okay. But they're like, that's all we can do. The orthopedic will, will try to move it into the spot, and then we'll do a scan. <clears throat> then we'll decide if you go to surgery right now or if you go home or what happens. So, what? Yeah, so, um, they were like, uh, here, we're gonna, we're gonna give you something to put you under for a little bit while we pull and tug on your broken ankle. And I asked them, like, I had heard uh, that there's, you know, different types of things that you can take for this. And I was like, can we just take something, like, that wears off fast so I don't feel terrible for two weeks? Like, something like ketamine or something. And she was like, sure, that sounds great. 
it's weird that I could tell the doctor what drugs to give me. I think you also mentioned you had addiction issues, so they're like more likely to give something that's like a little bit lighter in that situation. Well, no, I mean they they gave me fentanyl and Percocet for afterwards in, in the same shot. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. So, they were I don't pretending know to appease you. Why they? I had just read that this is like a much better thing to use than the normal thing. Anyhow, they 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 get me ready. The orthopedic shows up, then they say, you know, you're gonna take. We'll give you this medicine, and then you're gonna. It's gonna. You're gonna go to blackness for a little while. Uh, you might have dreams or something, and then, then you wake up. It's like not like anesthesia. You know where you're gonna just black lose time and wake up. You know you're it's gonna it's more like going to sleep. I'm like cool, ready. Doctor's there. That there's this lady that stands behind my head and she's just like there to tell me to breathe, make sure I'm breathing okay. The respiratory therapist. The respiratory therapist, yes. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of people. This was a pretty big operation. Uh, so, you, you know, you had the doctor, the orthopedic, you had a nurse, you had the respiratory therapist, and you had the anesthesiologist. And so they shoot me up with the ketamine, and um, the world starts to dissolve around me, and then it felt like I was shot off in a rocket ship. Um, later, I, I read that, like, a lot of people have uh, these kind of out-of-body near-death experiences when they're on uh, on ketamine. So that's kind of what happened with me. I felt like I was on a rocket ship and uh, every I was spiraling through dimensions and time. And I felt like I saw like the world's birth and death and rebirth and everything kind of build up into this form of an angel. And the angel just said, breathe. Yeah, she's like, breathe. So then I could feel, I took a deep breath and I felt my body again. I, I, I could feel, I knew that I had a body and I, I could feel the air going in. But I also my brain was like rocket shipping through other dimensions. That's what it felt like. That's crazy. So yeah, I did do this for like 10-15 minutes, riding this roller coaster through dimensions with crazy colors and sounds and like, but all this time my brain is kind of still there. It was a really insane, insane experience and had, um, you know, it touched me in a way that was very spiritual. Hmm. And... Soon I could see the room coming back. The doctor, they were wrapping my leg. I could he he's a very bald doctor, and he looked just, his features made him look like a dinosaur. There was like dinosaur people wrapping my leg. And the colors were all weird, and I felt like I was in a spaceship or something. But I was just in the, in the same, same bed I started in. And then, uh, you know, Carrie was there, and I just, like, I was just wanted to tell everybody about my, um, my experience out in these other worlds. 
or wherever I went, and um, but nobody really cared. They were just all trying to fix my foot and worried about my foot, and I was like, you wouldn't believe that heaven exists, and it's all around us, and when we die, everything's going to be okay, and I love you, and I'm sorry I sucked. I was a terrible person. I felt like I was like reborn and I was alive and everything was going to be okay. But everybody around me was like, you're really messed up, dude. <laughs> and you need to just like calm down. <laughs> Would you like some more Percocet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like interesting because you did just like want to tell us all about it when you got back and all the doctors were kind of like confused like what that's not supposed to happen like they seemed like surprised that you didn't just like black out and I did appreciate that you just immediately like turned to me and you were like everything's gonna be okay and I was like I want to believe you <laughs> but I don't um because for me like that whole experience of like watching them do it and sitting beside you the whole time was just like traumatizing for sure like I almost wish that they would have had me leave because I don't think that you would have needed me there I don't know maybe it made a difference but like I'm just watching you literally stop breathing and the respiratory therapist like tap on your chest and like tap on your jaw and like try and tell you to breathe and apparently that's normal but just man like what a crazy like experience of like human vulnerability you know it's just like I don't know seeing the person you love the most in so much pain is bad and then seeing them like go through these like intense medical procedures over and over again is like just just as bad it's like I don't know. I just don't want you to have to go through that. I don't want, like, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I now know. Um, and, like, it just sucked. So I think that's when I, like, really started crying and losing it was, like, watching that. And also in the emergency room, they're just so, like, callous and brash, you know? And, like, there's, I understand that they're all, like, working in a broken system also, but, like, we were there for hours and I think I had to ask like three times for someone if I could have like a glass of water while I was like sitting with you and nobody ever brought me one. You know, there's like no real like caretaking or concern for like the companion who is like fresh off of major accident and very traumatized themselves, you know? And meanwhile, we're, we had been doing like a van trip. So I'm trying to figure out like, holy shit, like, where are we going to stay tonight? Like, how are we going to get home? Like, where is he going to get a surgeon? You know, like we're eight hours from home. So it was like, all of that was going through my mind. And then watching you go through that, watching you stop breathing. Oh, it was just crazy. And then yeah, you came back and we're all like blissful and like spiritual. And I just wanted to be like, I'll have what he's having, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But they, you know, wrapped you up pretty quickly after that x-rated again. They were like, oh, it doesn't look as bad, which was like, you know, some false hope, I think. Like, Yeah. That, so the there was just a, like a big piece of the bone that was just floating around in there. So it wasn't like it, they weren't really capable with their fingers to poke it back in the right spot. 
No. I think it was, like, pretty shattered, and from what they could see, like, they sort of, like, got some of it back in place, but it was, not all of it. It was better, but, yeah. like, when they, I think they got it into a spot where, like, at least the joint was back in, and so I wouldn't be in as much pain, mm-hmm. but it was still, like, really crooked, and, um... Yeah, they were just like, they, they wrapped me up, they took the CT scans, and they were like, yeah, you just gotta, you're gonna have to call somebody back at home or wherever you want to do it, because you, you need to wait, they wanted me to wait, like, a, a you know, you want to wait a week after the injury for some swelling to go down before they do the surgery. Hmm. That, so we ended up getting a cheap motel, of course, and like, you had crutches and you could barely move. And I think the only funny moment that night was, like, cutting your pants off in the hotel room. Because you had this huge wrap on your leg. So we couldn't take your pants oh, off over it. my dollars climbing pants. <laughs> of course. Your favorite pants. They were done. And then, you know, they, they give you, like, oxy, of course. Which is, we're, like, not a big fan of, but you needed it. And they don't prepare you at all for what it's actually going to be like. So, you know, we thought like, okay, he's going to be on painkillers. Like we'll just get through tonight and then I'll drive us home tomorrow, eight hours with you laying in bed in the back. Yeah. And we like didn't sleep that night because you were in so much pain. They, they give you the oxys and they're like, I'll tell you take one and every, so and we were being really careful at this point, but like, we should have just given me more. Right, but you want to take it as prescribed, especially when you have, like, addiction issues. beginning, yeah. You're like, okay, well, I don't want to take this anyway, so I'm definitely going to try and only take it as prescribed or take less because this is super addictive. I mean, I I even told them when I got there, like, I don't really want to take these kind of medicines. And they're like, I remember her looking at me. She was, like, a younger doctor, and she's like, dude, your ankle is shattered. You you need to take something. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. I don't know how people would get through it without taking anything. No. And it's like, yeah, you start with, like, a very high standard, like, I'm only going to take them as prescribed. But the, but then, you know, by the third time, you're, you're like, how many do you want? Yeah. You know, like, how many do you need? Right. Well, we'll get to that. But, yeah, it was a terrible night. It was a whole terrible day driving home the next day on no sleep. And I had, like, foolishly, well, not foolishly, because they don't prepare you for this. They don't tell you anything realistic about pain level. You guys might not sleep well tonight. You might not want to, like, try and get all the way home tomorrow. They don't tell you any of this. So, like, I'm driving home eight hours on no sleep, super traumatized. Zach's in the back. And we had to get home by six because his prescription was at the pharmacy at home, and they closed at six. So it was like we had to leave at a certain time. And I just remember like this is when it all set in. Like this is, this was like one of the worst days of my life probably. Just like I was nonstop crying. I think I cried for eight hours. And I, he was way in the back laying in bed in the van. So like I'm glad that you couldn't really like hear me hopefully that whole time or you were out of it. But It was an awful day. I couldn't eat. I was, like, trying to drive while also, like, 
calling and texting people, trying to get you into like surgeons, trying to like call in favors with friends we knew in the medical field, and just like trying to make stuff happen as soon as possible because I knew that like our medical system is messed up. I knew that there were like probably not a lot of options where we live. And so I was like being very type A about all of that, trying to get it done, but also super emotional, just like could not stop crying that whole drive. It was pretty unsafe probably, but I had no choice. I felt like I had no choice. Mm. And so, yeah, we got home and the very next day I drove you down to Phoenix to see the surgeon also on no sleep. So it was like eight hours drive home and then we got up at six the next day to go see the surgeon because a friend had like called in a favor and gotten us a really quick appointment. So we felt like we had to do that and it was down in Phoenix. So another three hour drive each way. Yep. That was fun. We drive down there and, you know, they take some x-rays again and he looks at the scans and he tells me, you know, it's really bad. This is, this is a terrible bone to break. We're going to do our best to fix it, basically, is what he said. Mm-hmm. And they scheduled a, a date, like, uh, I think about 10 days out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he just wanted the swelling to go down, so uh, I was just like... Then they sent us home with a, a surgery date, and, you know, my f- ankle was still dislocated, or still not in the right place, so it still felt pretty terrible. I think I, he probably gave me some more drugs. And, yeah, then we just went back to wait, and, like, um, that's kind of, I think, when the terrible stuff in our minds started to set in. Yeah. Because that's when it's like, okay, he's gonna, ha- I'm gonna have surgery in ten days, and I'm gonna be out for you know four more weeks or six, eight weeks at the minimum. Who knows? So that's when we started to, you know, have to prepare. F- how are we gonna get through this year? Mm-hmm. How are we gonna survive? How, how, what's going on? And I mean, I wasn't really capable of helping with that because. You know, when your body's broken that bad, it's just, um, it's not sending a lot of juice up to the noggin. Right. You know, it's hard to make decisions. It's hard to know what's right to do. My bottom didn't even come yet. (laughs) I've not been to the worst. So, like, uh, through this whole first surgery, I felt, like, pretty positive. Like, I was... Before it, I had had a little bit of depression, or sometimes a lot of depression, and, like, I have, I had an amazing life where I could do anything I wanted. I could, uh, you know, anything from climbing to running long distances, like, I was, like, really capable, and we were making lots of money, our business was succeeding, everything was going great, but I was, like, not the most grateful person. I was having trouble finding, you know appreciation for the good things in my life um no matter how good they were i had to just like stand on the tops of bigger and bigger and bigger mountains to feel anything at all but then after after this um after this emergency room experience and like this whole experience like even though i was pretty messed up like i felt like something had 
fallen off of me, like a, a darkness had left. And I don't know. It was it, so, but me. I think the this darkness that I had, like I wasn't capable of in this time of like ha taking care of like the the hard things. So then it was like kind of fell upon Carrie. It was like a demon that passed on to you. <laughs> Maybe. Thanks for that. <laughs> Anyway, keep going. I don't know. So, yeah, I had my first surgery. Um, you know, it's surgery. You don't remember any of the bad parts. And it doesn't really hurt that bad. Because they give you the nerve blocking thing. And, um, you know, it, it takes... They put, they, put, they, they put the foot back together. That, so... The surgery, they, they took a, um, some bone from a cadaver from a, a dead body and they put it in my foot. And then they put two screws through the sides and they were like, all right, this should be good. And I think the doctor came out and was like, um, pretending like he did a good job. Yeah, he was. He was like, okay, so if he heals, he'll be fine. I'm like, okay, well, of course he's going to heal. He's Zach, you know, he's my super man husband. You know, I didn't really, like, allow any space for any other possibilities. I was like, no. well, we eat really healthy, we live really healthy, like, of course it's going to heal. You know, we were going to, we were already making acupuncture appointments, like, buying you herbs, we were already doing everything. Oh, yeah, we were doing all, all, everything that we could, anything holistic, anything anyone said. I was drinking, the doctor said, drink and sure, I drank and sure, I also, you know, took everything natural I could, and... You know, it's a lot of work taking that much medicine every day. Yeah. Going to acupuncture. I think you got a therapist at this time. I was doing everything I could. One one good good thing for sure to come out of this is Zach finally got a therapist. <laughs> but yeah, the community really showed up, which was really great. We yeah. had a lot of help from people. People were just, like, helping out. They brought us food. They were sending us money. We were like, don't send us money. And the people did it anyways. And yeah, people were there to help. And we couldn't have done it um, without the help of others. Yeah, I mean, and we were really privileged also because, like, even with insurance, like, if you added everything up, like, with all the deductibles, all the copays, and then everything we spent on, like, acupuncture, herbs, therapy, like... Hi, we just like had to hire people so many times to like come and work at the property and just would like mm -hmm. pay them whatever whatever they wanted it just you know if you add up all of that like we it was expensive and like I can see how an injury like this would would definitely like financially bankrupt someone if they didn't have you know the small amount of resources that we do have so we were super privileged for sure mm-hmm Anyway, so you have the first surgery, your mental health is, like, strangely better, and then what happened? Yeah, we, we're just, um, getting through the year, I'm just, like, doing what I've told, trying to be helpful in any way that I can, which is not that helpful, but, um, after the first couple weeks after the surgery, I was able to, you know, start, like, standing up more, and, 
um, just be, you know, being able to do the dishes or something. Cooking. Cooking, Cooking. was huge. So, so I was able to hop in, like, we were able to do a couple retreats because I was able to cook and Carrie just did all the tours and everything. Um, Sydney helped a lot. Oh, yeah, well, obviously Sydney was there. She's our intern, and we would not have survived without her. We didn't have to cancel anything. No, we should have. We didn't. <laughs> we'll talk about that under lessons learned. We didn't cancel any retreats. Zach somehow cooked. He would like swell up any time after he was upright, even on his peg leg or on his crutches and have to lie back down again. Uh-huh. Um, and I would say, I don't know, you said you forget the pain, but <laughs> those first two nights after surgery were horrible. You seemed like you were in a lot of pain. Because also you were trying to just only take the oxy as prescribed and it didn't seem to be doing anything after that nerve block wore off. Yeah, well, I did only take the oxy as prescribed after the first surgery, which was um, pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. I'm impressed with myself. It, it was terrible, like, because kind of like after the, the nerve block wears off, your foot comes back online and that's kind of like you slowly start to feel like you have a broken ankle again. So lots of not sleeping for both of us. Yeah. Don't recommend living in a van while recovering from surgery. No, we never planned to break ourselves when we decided to do that. Yeah. Anyhow, this goes on and for a few weeks and then, um, well, you know, I think six weeks after surgery. It was eight. You always eight minimize weeks. it. It was so long. Well, I don't remember. It was eight weeks after was, surgery. It so was, it was like 10 weeks or more after the accident. Maybe even 12. Who knows? No, it was, it was near 10 anyway, from the accident. Anyway, continue. So, yeah, that's uh, about yeah, 9, 10 weeks from the accident. We went back to Phoenix to get the cast off to, uh, you know, start, um, start walking again. Start the, uh, the process of getting back to real life. And, you know, they saw the cast off and we're looking at it and poking around and took some x-rays. And then the doctor comes in and he tells me that my foot is not healing right. And they'll have to do surgery again, which was probably some of the worst news I've heard in my life. Apart from like someone dying or something, like being told that you know you you had a injury, um, we did surgery. Now you thought you had healed completely from that, and, and in fact, you have to restart, and maybe you'll walk again. So that was that was a terrible day. Yep, that was a bomb. I literally thought he was joking. The way he said it was terrible. And just I had never considered that possibility. And also, I was like, why did we not check it two to four weeks ago? Why did we wait this whole eight-week period of healing and just now x-ray it and realize it's not working? So that was a huge, infuriating question. And just realizing that we would have to go through all of that again, I was like, 
I just felt like so hopeful when we went in there like okay like we're almost done with this like he's gonna get a boot he's gonna start PT and like we're that's the light at the end of the tunnel and then it's just like no reality just like smacks you in the face like nope restart just go back and like redo the worst 10 weeks of your life all over again Yeah, we scheduled another surgery about a week from then. And, um, yeah, this time we got an Airbnb. We uh, we uh, really prepared for it. We knew what to expect. And, you know, the second surgery was a lot easier than the first one because I took more drugs. Yeah, I think we actually asked the doctor that time, just, like, I think we said, like, he was in so much pain like this oxy prescription didn't seem to be doing anything after the first surgery and he was like oh yeah take double so that's just what they'll tell you is mm -hmm. to just like overtake it which is like you can see how people get addicted like it's so and it was and you were like sad about that because you had like had withdrawals from getting off of it after the first time yeah just uh, you know after the first surgery i had taken it until i could get off of it and then you know you feel terrible and then I had to get back on it again. But um, I uh, of all the people I, I've talked to that had similar injuries, I, I took uh, way less drugs than they did, actually. Yeah, that's probably why you were in so much pain. Because, like, the uh, other uh, guy I talked to was on, uh, he was on fentanyl for, like, two weeks after surgery. Wow. Because so, he said the pain was so terrible. And I was like, I, my pain was terrible, too, but... I don't, you know, sometimes pushing through the pain is worth it to not feel worse later. Right. Because those, those drugs, like, I didn't like taking them. Like, you, you do feel better after you take it, but it doesn't make you feel alive. It makes you feel dead inside. And honestly, I was, like, grateful for that. Not that you had to take it, but I was grateful that you hated the feeling because I know you and we're the same and we both have like addictive personalities so if you had enjoyed the feeling of opiates I would have been really concerned about that yeah uh yeah so this uh second surgery they did uh it was a lot more invasive they uh they drilled uh, they had to basically cut my bone in half with the saw and then they pushed it back together in a new way. They put a bunch of screws in it. Then they also put fusion gel on the bottom and they fused the bone to the heel bone, the calcaneus. So the talus got fused to the calcaneus, which, um, and then, so the idea was that once, uh, once they're fused together, I would get more blood flow and it would heal better. Um, it's just hard to get blood flow with these bones, but, um, so then they also screwed through my heel to hold the two together. Um, and then they, they also cut into my fibia near my knee where they took some bone marrow out of the center of my, um, fibia, is that the big tibia. one? Tibia. Yeah. They took bone marrow from the tibia, which they put, packed, there was a, like an empty spot in my bone in my foot where, uh, where the bone exploded. And so they packed my tibia marrow in there. Um... Yeah, and this surgery, I think, was about three hours or something. It, I, I remember I, it was kind of weird because you look at the clock and, you, you're, you know, you have a blank space of time and the clock's moved a lot. And you're like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. 
the doctor had scheduled me as the last one of the day because he knew it could take a long time. And I think I think I was one of his more exciting patients because mostly he was doing bunny and stuff, I think. And I, I was like a real fun fixer-upper. <laughs> <laughs> you probably bought him a new house. Oh, yeah. I think my surgeries were somewhere between 50 and 100,000. Yeah. And I think he was scared because I, like, really asked a lot of questions before this one, including asking why did you do it the way you did last time? Why didn't it heal? Why didn't you check it more often in between? And to the most frustrating answer was to that last question. He said, well, I was trying to save you a trip. <laughs> so he was trying to save us a trip knowing that we were coming from Williams to Scottsdale. However, like, oh my gosh, dude, like save his ankle, save his ability to walk, save our business and our life. Don't save us a trip, you know? I think I literally laughed out loud when he said that. And he knew that I was, like, really upset that, you know, you were, like, being all nice. You're the one going under the knife with this dude. He could tell that I was upset. You you only can learn by experience, I think, how to be, like, an advocate for someone in a medical situation with these surgeons who, like, refuse to spend more than five minutes with you. And I had to, like, learn to be really tough and be, like, the squeaky wheel I just wish that I had, like, asked more questions the first time and considered more options the first time, but obviously this is how it happened, so this is the way it was meant to be. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. I mean, nobody tells you what you need to do. you, you got to listen to somebody's advice. Yeah. And, like, you can't just, like, float around looking for surgeons for hours right. or days or weeks or months or years. You know, you gotta, you got to fix it with whatever's available. Yep. So yeah, the second surgery went better. Um, all they were the doctors seemed happier afterwards. They said, "I think this will work out this time as long as it heals." Um, they were hopeful about using my own bone marrow instead of the cadaver, and um, but yeah, it was also like a much more invasive surgery. Like um, instead of just uh, cuts down both sides of my foot, I had. Those two cuts again, plus a uh, heel incision, plus the knee. Uh, the knee, basically, they told me it was going to feel like I had a broken leg as soon as my, my pain came back. So now, now, yeah, so now I was maybe more broken than ever. But, um, you know, we had experience. We knew what to do. We had everything prepared. This time we had an Airbnb for a couple of days or watching somebody's house for a week. I don't remember. And, yeah, we just um, went back to all of our medicines, all of our herbs, proteins, collagen, anything that we read we needed. And it was hard. It was just like, it was just life for a long time. This time they did more x-rays in between. Um, They, uh, the same thing about eight weeks out, I got the, all the stuff taken off, and but this time it, it was, um, the x-rays looked better, uh, the, there was still not as much healing in the center as they wanted, but the, the fusion parts were really strong, so they were like, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be strong, it's getting blood, and doctor was happy, so I was able to start doing, uh, physical therapy, 
and yeah that was terrible too it took forever to start walking again like they they make you think you're just gonna get in the boot and just walk out the door but really it took weeks until I could even put full weight on it um just to rebuild those muscles around it it was just like felt so squishy for so long and just for like context the injury was June 18th by now it's November I don't think that you could actually like wait it until about December I don't think you actually like started taking steps until December so we're looking at six months yeah I wasn't taking real steps until December and then I didn't start actually like walking until New Year's I would say right without like gear mm -hmm. crutches or a cane or something so yeah it was a really long and terrible process and you know now we're at the the one year mark you know probably like six what how many it was five months from new year's six months mm -hmm. half a year so it was like half a year to start w walking again and then half a year to get to today where i feel like I, I it doesn't bother me that much and you know it's still something i think about a lot and you, you know i'm always I'm still like a little bit limited by it, but I'm getting back where I can do some big hikes again. And, um, you know, it's not like, I don't feel like it, it's going to hold me back in my life. I don't feel like my life is going to be worse because of it. I feel maybe like my life might be better because of it, because of, um, I don't know. I feel like a different person now. I feel like um, I, it changed me in ways that I couldn't have predicted. It made me, um, definitely more grateful for the things I have. And, you know, it, it slowed me down, but that could be a good thing. In and what way? Just that, you know, I was just going too fast. I was just flailing through the world and I just need to, um, do things more mindfully, more intentional. Just trying to, um, you know, if I, if I go a little slower, I'll probably live a little longer and have more fun along the way. But I don't know. This story can go forever. It's still evolving. So will you climb again? Have you climbed again? I have climbed a couple times. I don't have like that obsession anymore. Like uh, it's all I can think about. Um, I kind of got up there and I was like, "What am I doing? Why am I here? What's this is scary." I do have I have I have fear now. I didn't really have a lot of fears of these kind of things before. I think it's a healthy fear. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had, had climbed a little bit. I just have to, like, re-examine that relationship and you know, come at it from a different direction, I think. Nice. So what would you say was, like, your biggest life change or, or learning from this just in a year? I know it's still evolving. Like, the biggest lesson? Or change? or anything or change I don't know I think I think a lot of people have a, a something that happens around this time in their life or it's like the time when you like realize that you're you're mortal you know 
that like you do need to take care of yourself that your decisions you know affect others and that um it's you know how in how important i feel i do feel like i am important and that i have a job to do here and that um I don't know. I guess what I learned is still evolving, but mostly I just try to live my life with more gratitude. And I think by being more grateful, I can be happier than before. Just by um, you know actually being present when I'm having, um, you know, when I am in amazing places and having amazing experiences and not just like needing another big mountaintop or something higher. Yeah, I think that's a trap that we can easily fall into is that like must go further, higher, harder with adventuring. And I've enjoyed just like over the last week really since this is the first like van life trip we've done since you've been better I've really enjoyed just like hiking again and like not even hiking 14ers just like hiking like normal trails with like a little bit of challenge it's like oh we used to do this and this used to be like really satisfying and then we started climbing and running and mountaineering and it's like refreshing to just like come back to like just hiking and be like this is still awesome and like we almost lost the ability to do this together. So yeah, much more gratitude. Anyway, do you have anything else to add or should I just go back, rewind, and do my part of the story a little bit? I mean, I don't think I have anything else to add. It's enough. Okay. It's too much. Shared too much. That's a lot of details. Overshared. It's okay. We'll put a better trigger warning on it. <laughs> So, so my side of the story was like in a way opposite of Zach's because before um, this happened, I don't think I ever really like understood depression. Like I obviously believed that it was real and knew that like Zach had some depression off and on. And I had as well, you know, like that year that I got sober, that I quit drinking was like pretty hard. I don't know if it's just like further back in the past. So like my memory has sort of faded and that's why that year of getting sober seemed like easier than this past year or if it was just really like that. But I felt, yeah, I felt like I didn't really like know how to deal with his depression it really bothered me because I had a lot of gratitude for the fact that we were like traveling so much we were working for ourselves we were successful entrepreneurs we were like really living the dream and I just like feel like I had a lot of gratitude and like didn't understand like being depressed whining complaining <laughs> when like I just had no patience with it you know like, I'm sure you'll admit that. I had no patience for, like, your moods at times and didn't understand them. And then after this accident, as, you know, the universe would have it, I got to understand all that stuff. 
um, because in a lot of ways it seemed like we kind of switched like mental health wise like you had this really spiritual awesome ketamine experience not to mention this whole kind of like near-death accident which will just really put things in perspective and then I had the rescuer trauma the caretaker responsibility and to like run our businesses without your physical capabilities for like over six months and I don't know like if it was everything combined I don't know if it would have been the same just from me rescuing you even if I had more help afterwards I don't know like what all the like formula was that added up to me suffering so much but like it was the worst year of my life mental health wise and I am very grateful I can say I'm out of it now like I can look back on it and say that I really don't even recognize myself from that time um so like I have been healing I still have a long ways to go as far as like PTSD but it was tough um I guess like you never know how you're going to react to a situation like that until you're in it. And we had a lot of adventures for many years without anything bad happening. So I'm grateful for all of those. And now I know that I don't react well to like accidents or medical trauma. You know, I thought I was a strong person and this whole experience really like um, deflated my ego. Like I did not feel strong at all. I think I cried every day for like a long time <laughs> throughout this process and um it was really a lot of it was just the stress of like keeping the business running um we had like Sydney for the first time who's our awesome intern slash family member now um and I just felt like all these like I felt the weight of like all these expectations like I wanted Sydney to have a good experience even though she genuinely just wanted to help so that was like some weight on my shoulders just keeping the businesses running like keeping the retreats going trying to give everyone the experience that they had signed up for and then trying to like be your advocate and your caretaker and like even though people were helping it's like still mentally draining to organize a meal train and it's mentally draining to ask for help you know because sometimes people would say like how can i help you and just me having to think of the answer of like what i actually needed was like too much you know on top of everything else so definitely one thing i'm learning from this is just like um how to like reach out and check on and take care of the caretakers in these situations in the future you know like people who are like dealing with an injured spouse or a sick spouse or like a sick child or whatever it might be like you know I don't think that I think maybe like one of my takeaways from this is like I'll be the person that <laughs> helps them you know because everyone's asking about the injury or the sick person and nobody's really like asking that much like how are you doing um and so I had to ask for help a lot and the most helpful things were like the things that people would just do without making me like make a decision you know so I think like if you're ever in this situation with someone close to you in the future like just know that like 
just show up with food or just like show up and take their laundry and go do it or just like you know just show up and do something like don't worry about doing the perfect thing or asking them what they need because sometimes what they need is just like you to be there and like just do whatever's in front of you that looks like it could help you know don't make them make more decisions don't make them like yeah just decisions were hard I was it was too much of that um, not that we're complaining about no. the help, but we got such amazing help. Yeah, for we sure. We could have not survived without the help that we got. Right. Um, but also with PTSD, which like I really was suffering from that for a long time, what happens is that like the acuteness of the incident fades away, like, and some of that help sort of just like fades away as well. So then, you know, it's old news, like, Zach's been laid up for a long time, and there's, the meal train's over, and, like, people are kind of back to normal, which is totally understandable, but then I'm still not sleeping, no appetite, having panic attacks, and just, like, trying to hold this business and this life together. So, <laughs> it was a long road. And I am, like, not proud, honestly, of the way that I handled it. But I also don't think I had the capability to do anything differently, necessarily. Well, I did. I could have canceled things. And that's another lesson for me, is that just because you can barely squeak by doing it all doesn't mean you should. So if I was doing this over, I would have canceled some of the retreats. Um... Like, the one thing that I, I kind of knew intuitively that did turn out to be true that would help me heal was just time off. Because those were, like, the only times when I, like, felt like I could actually settle my nervous system were, like, the rare times when we had a break from work. So, like, we went on one van trip while you were in the cast to Colorado, actually, and, like, that time I did a little bit better that was before the second surgery and then after you finally got your boot on and started walking again we like had this plane ticket to Mexico and I'm sure I was putting the pressure on because I was like we have to leave we have to like go somewhere warm for off season like you have to be able to like walk enough to go to Mexico because I just knew like I had to get out and like get away from like all the reminders and like it was super cold and snowy at home this winter and like it wasn't really until we finally got to off season where like our place was on autopilot and we were just like traveling slowly walking slowly but like in a warm place staying in airbnbs with like real bathrooms that was when i finally like started to heal i think and another piece of that is you know we chose this like we chose to live an alternative lifestyle we chose to like live off-grid in a van trying to build a house which obviously just got even more delayed throughout all of this and be entrepreneurs and like live differently and I don't regret any of those decisions but we were not at all set up for something like this to happen um, especially at the beginning of the busy season and so I think that that's also why some people like didn't get it as much because people just imagine you like um, going through all this like living in a house, you know, like sleeping in a real bed, like having a normal bathroom and like 
a couch to lay on <laughs> and like no. that's not our situation Workers at all yeah no, like we disability. had disability no we did not have disability insurance of course so like hence we had to keep going to pay for all this stuff and um i think just like the the strain on my nervous system of trying to like get over witnessing it witnessing all the medical stuff um and then like just going straight back into work was just too much for me and my insomnia got really bad worse than it's ever been i went i think two different times like five days without sleeping and at this point i was like reaching out for um pharmaceutical help and it just like the stuff i got just like didn't even seem to work um so I would just, like, go to the dispensary for, like, the strongest stuff they had. And that's, like, the only thing that would eventually help. But insomnia feels like a curse. Um, I guess I should start looking at it as a teacher. But I'm currently, right now, just trying to, like, get, on, get to a better place with, like, my caffeine intake and my stress and my self-care so that, like... I don't get triggered back into that state because I know it could easily happen because I am still like easily triggered. Um, there were like many times in, I would say the, the first like six months of healing where I just had to be like, I can't talk about your ankle. Don't, I, you can't talk about it in front of me because it was all consuming. It was just everything. It was, all I thought about every time I would lie down to go to bed at night, I would have flashbacks of like horrible times on the wall or like in doctor's appointments. And it was like, that's what would happen. Like, even if I had a good day, I would try to fall asleep at night and my brain would start flashing back there. So a bunch of people told me I should go on antidepressants throughout all this. And I strongly considered it many times. Um, but, like, having never done that, I also was kind of just anxious, like, well, I don't, I don't even know, like, how long they'll take to start working, and by the time, like, they start working, this might be over, and then, obviously, it just kept going and going with, like, the second surgery and all that stuff, but, but in the end, I never did that, and, like, I think that was the right decision for me, but I, I definitely don't, like, um, begrudge anyone who chooses to like seek out pharmaceutical help at a time like this because it was it just felt like months of crisis months of survival mode and our society is not really like set up um, to support healing in a situation like this and I blame capitalism honestly because like I said if I think if I could have like stopped working if I could have took, taken a real break, um, it would have been different. And I don't think I would have suffered as much. But yeah, it was, I didn't have that option. And so it was like a lot of panic, a lot of insomnia, a lot of depression, um, thoughts of like not wanting to be here. I never got anywhere close to the point of acting on any of those thoughts, but I had them for like the first time in my life. So that was really scary. Um, and I think just in all, my nervous system was just, like, completely effed up. Um, and so now I, 
I understand depression. I understand PTSD from firsthand experience. And as much as it sucked to go through, like that is a valuable experience as someone who teaches trauma-informed yoga and works with people in recovery and works with people who've, who have been through a lot in their lives. Like, you know, I had other firsthand experiences of like addiction, recovery, um, religious trauma, family stuff, but I, this was a new one, you know, I had never been through like any sort of like medical trauma or caregiver stuff. And the fact that I'm like so empathetic and we're so close and also we live in such a close space, like we live in a tiny van together, like all of that just exacerbated all of my feelings. Um, and I was like teaching from a place of emptiness. I was just trying to like channel something every time I had to teach a retreat, just like trying to like channel some wisdom from somewhere else. Cause it sure as heck was not coming from me, um, in those moments last year. And yeah, I think it was hard because in a lot of ways it felt like your mental health improvement came at my expense and I know that it wasn't like that it wasn't like you were draining me or anything it was just like this weird coincidence that had to happen and in the end I think we both ended up like understanding each other better because I came to understand depression and you came to understand how hard it is to deal with a depressed person right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, the whole experience, I think we learned a lot of, a lot of life lessons, I guess. I don't know, it's like, I, I calling it character building seems like not enough. Right. It was like, I think in the end, um, we probably both came out better teachers, and, you know, we have, by having these life experiences, maybe someday we can help others, um get through them in a better way that, than how we handled it and I don't know I think it'll still take us a long time to process it all and to uh, actually understand why it had to happen and why um, you know so why we had to suffer like that and sometimes you think why does this have to happen to me and then I don't know I don't think that we uh I think it'll take a long time to realize that or understand. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't think that we're done learning from it um, or healing from it or we'll ever really be the same, you know? Like, no. you always think, like, that it something like this won't happen to you. And that's, like, that naivete of, like, you know, I I think I kind of did believe that like we were protected because we were doing like good work in the world mm -hmm. and I still believe that we're doing good work in the world and that we're like living our dharma and that we're we're on the right path but that doesn't necessarily protect us and you know call it like karma or life lessons or whatever purpose it has all that suffering like Obviously, I do think that it has made me, like, a better teacher um, in the end. But just because you're, like, on the right track and you feel invincible doesn't mean that you are, you know? And so, 
I think one thing that I'm taking away is just like holding on to everything more loosely. Like I can be very driven and type A and very like mission oriented and go, go, go all the time. And I think that has served us in some ways. It's gotten us to where we are in life with like such a good community and the opportunity to do so many awesome retreats. But now I just, I like plan things and I have this inner awareness that it could all go to hell, you know? I plan things with like positivity, but instead of like holding on with a clenched fist to those plans, I feel like I'm just like lightly palming them, you know? <laughs> like, I just have this awareness of how fast everything can dissolve. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you like did something wrong or that you deserve bad things to happen. It's just the nature of this reality is that we cling to things and then they get taken away for some reason. And, you know, there's kind of like a freedom in realizing that everything can change in an instant because it forces you to be present. Like, okay, are things good now? Great, enjoy it because they might not be good tomorrow. You know? It's like more presence and more gratitude and also more acceptance for those bad times. They're part of life. And also I think I've had to learn acceptance for the fact that I'm allowed to be weak. I'm allowed to struggle. Like I don't have to be a superhero all the time. And also like everyone's different. So maybe my reaction was more dramatic and more painful than other people's would have been. And that doesn't make me like wrong or a bad person. So I really had to learn that as well. Like I was doing my best in a terrible situation. That's all any of us can do. I think that's probably enough. Yeah, that was long. We talked about everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if we don't use it all in the podcast, at least we processed it, hopefully. Right. Thanks for letting us process our trauma. Oh, yeah. It didn't feel very good to talk. I don't feel like I've thought about it in a little while or like the, told the whole story, really. Well, one year later, one last thing that just came to mind. Also, I realized, like, in the middle of all this with the help of some medicinal mushrooms I was just like wondering you know like why am I so sad like why did this make me so depressed and one thing I learned was that I had just been suppressing a lot of sadness for my whole life so sometimes these incidents trigger like all the sadness that you haven't been allowing yourself to feel for your whole life to come to the surface and so just because, like, you think you're having a big reaction to this one thing doesn't mean that it's only about that. So that is one thing I learned also. And then, you know, I I did so, a lot of therapy. I did EMDR. I did some, like, uh, session with, like, Rahelio, our shaman, which helped a lot. He helped me to see some, like, patterns from astrology that were affecting me. And so, like, I did have to really go deep into my own healing as well, and I'm still working on that. And I think one of the big lessons is just that I need to find a way to, like, take care of myself and, like, live from a place of self-care so that when these things do come up, I'm not already, like, running on empty, you know? So, 
yeah, this was a long, interesting discussion on the one-year anniversary. I think we should go do something fun now. It's our, it's our birthday. Your rebirthday. Rebirthday. Happy first rebirthday to your new ankle. Uh-huh. Cool. I'm giving you a high five. <laughs> Shall we say what else we have coming up? Oh, yeah, we have, you know, some retreats. Retreats are happening. I'm, I'm teaching from a, a place of feeling full of gratitude again, so don't worry about coming on a retreat. You're not going to be stressing me out. <laughs> I would love to have you come. There's Arizona, Colorado, Desert Fest, Baja, and Thailand. Go to the website. We They're all on there. A lot of stuff coming up, so I'm excited for it. It's going to go great. Also finishing the cookbook, so if you want to pre-order that, you can still pre-order that for a little bit. I'm going to make the price full price soon. Yay. Cookbook. And I'm writing my teacher training, which will hopefully happen next June. So if you're interested in a 200-hour teacher training in June in Arizona, let me know. Yep. All right. But, yeah, peace out. Bye. Later.